0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation.
2: Hey, this is Hannah Forden. I'm the program manager here at Heritage Radio Network. This year, we're celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary, and I want to thank all of our listeners and members for being a part of an incredible year of food radio. We never would have made it this far without all of you. So HRN is now in its summer fun drive, and this is when we turn to you and ask that you make a donation to help ensure a bright future for food radio. Whether you listen to one show or There's a reason why you keep tuning in week after week. All of our content is powered by a small nonprofit, and we rely on your generosity to keep going. Help us keep broadcasting the most thought-provoking, entertaining, and educational conversations happening in the world of food and beverage. So become a member today. To celebrate our 10th anniversary, we have some brand new member gifts available online, so I encourage you to snag your new favorite pizza-themed T-shirt or enamel pin today and show the world how much you love HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate so you can snag your 10th anniversary member swag. And thank you.
3: All right, everybody, welcome to the show, Life's a Banquet. A show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara, horrible. Starring your hosts, me, Brenton Scott, and me,
2: Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! (laughs) Always. Life's a Banquet, Banquet, life's a a Banquet,
3: life's a Banquet, life's a
2: Banquet.
3: Consider it done. Consider that done. Yeah. How about another cocktail?
4: Okay. Yeah. Look <laughs> at my veins. Yeah. Look at my
3: veins. Zara, how are you doing this week?
4: Oh, well, pretty good, actually. It's been a heat wave here in New York City. Am We're I right, ladies? A heat
3: wave. That's a reference to Meryl Monroe singing. uh, tropical heat wave.
4: Oh, really? Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I've been lathering myself in sunscreen. I've been sucking down frozen margaritas. I've been baking in the sun. What about you?
3: Mm, I also have been making frozen margaritas, uh, mangaritas. Ooh. mangaritas, which for those of you, yeah, for those of you that haven't uh, deduced that it's a mango margarita. Oh, interesting. So, folks, I want to just briefly discuss frozen drinks. And here's the problem with frozen drinks is you make them, and if you don't have a Vitamix, my opinion on that is don't bother unless you have one of those frozen drink machines. Which yeah. B-
4: okay. Go ahead. Or rare. I, I want to say that also a, a magic bullet is quite a rare. magic
3: bullet. You're right. So I'm yeah. sorry. If you do have a magic bullet, and I don't mean that magic bullet. I mean <laughs> this magic bullet. Uh, <laughs> you should freeze your fruit. I've just that's that's the secret. And I don't Probably. know what you know why because I never think about it ahead of time. I'm not like oh well tomorrow at 6 p.m. I'll make a frozen mango drink but you have to in this weather oh
4: yes absolutely. so i
3: corded up or i pinted up some uh, mango p- pop them in the freezer and then you don't need as much ice and then it's less diluted and then you can also mm-hmm. throw i've actually gone the step further in making servings mixed with the tequila in the freezer
1: oh how fancy so that way because crazy. think about
3: because the whole enemy with 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 booze is that it Cool. It, I'm sorry. It warms up the ice.
4: Yes, that's so smart. Right. So that's, that's why. That's
3: amazing. Anyway, so lots of those drinks. I was look. I have. I got a free watermelon from a food. A, a photos. A food commercial that I did. So I was had some watermelon, and I was looking for my melon baller, and I grabbed into my junk drawer, which I've been meaning to organize, and I sliced my finger on the ceramic.
4: You're wearing a Band-Aid. Yeah,
3: the ceramic mandolin. It took a good like quarter inch off. Oh, my right God, on on the, the mandolin? Tip. Yeah, it's like a ceramic blade mandolin. So I oh, so I was looking for the melon baller, oh, about. and of course I grab it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, and it's blood everywhere, <laughs> blood. I bet
4: you still balled the melon, didn't you?
3: Yeah, and it was just, guess- <laughs> it- <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> And yes, some blood fell into it. I discarded those pieces. <laughs> that's fine, <laughs> guests. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> John
4: Wayne Gacy over yeah. here. You know, I poured margarita. bleach
3: all over all over my blood just to make sure there was no pathogens. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that's that. Man, that's it neat. it was real hot.
4: The music up in my headphones to a level that was so loud that my ears almost fell off. I just want to say one thing yeah, welcome to Life's Banquet, the podcast about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with your host Brett and Scott and Zara Tangora. Because oh we God, actually I just forgot com- to do that.
3: Well, in case you weren't already listening this far and haven't tuned out, <laughs> uh, uh, mom, hmm. so what else? So, what else? Tell me what what else did you do this week, Holiday uh. and well, non-culinarily. If you
4: can tell by my beautiful glowing bronzed skin tone, yes. I have been at the beach. Yes. A lot. Nice. I've been to Robert Moses. I've splashed around in the waves. I've eaten quarts of Bobby's chicken salad at Chicken salad.
3: Uh Beach food. Do you want to just, do you want to, do you sure. want to make a note on beach food? Because okay. you're kind of a beach food expert. Sure. And you're raised by... Goddamn right. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So what do you, tell, tell our listeners, what's a proper beach food?
4: All right. Well, listen, Bobby, my mom, makes chicken salad mm-hmm. every time we go to the beach and cucumber salad with no skins on it that's like heavily marinated with usually watermelon and red onions and we eat watermelon, it out of a cup ki- oh my god yep because it's easier than a plate no sand can blow into it no
3: sand can blow in that's that's a pro tip
4: exactly um and she recently has been doing a lot of variations this week there was avocado in the mix
3: mm-hmm. <clears throat> surprise bobby
4: Delip- bobby's blowing <laughs> minds left and right um speaking
3: of which avocados are off. They're so expensive right now.
4: Well, we're extremely wealthy. So this thing is oh, chock yeah. full of avocados. You just bought a
3: case and took one and threw the rest away.
4: Exactly.
3: <laughs> God, I love doing that.
4: So I think, but okay, so I've been going to the beach. I went to the beach a couple times without Bobby, just Jesse and I went, and he doesn't eat mayonnaise. So chicken salad was heck? out. I know. it's My the, brother
3: doesn't eat it and I don't trust either of them. It's the
4: one bad thing about him. So, uh. <laughs> We, I've been making chips and guacamole, okay. and I've been making something I think you might really enjoy: buckwheat soba noodles mm-hmm. with a delicious, tangy kind of like soy, ginger, yep, sweet and classic. sour, uh, lots Ch- of scallions, sesame seeds, yeah. thinly sliced cucumbers.
3: Classic. classic. I love. It. I just bought the funny thing you mentioned. I just bought a giant thing of soba noodles because that's cold noodles in the su- in the winter in July. Christmas in July is the best. <laughs> Make a peanut sauce. Or that. Yeah. Ginger soy.
4: Any kind of like, oh, you know what I put in it too to make it creamy a little bit? Tahini.
3: Mm
4: very good. And sesame oil, so you already have a sesame Yeah, you're going. right. That's It's great. And you put it in a quart container and you bring it to the beach. Um, any kind of salad is very delicious. I think guacamole is nice. Just try to keep it contained. So anything in a quart container really works.
3: That's what I thought about. Sand is the enemy. I brought, or rather, I bought, I went to the beach last week and I was at Long, Long Beach and I just stopped at a little deli and they made this gazpacho. Ooh. And it was really nice. It was in this little container and I had a tiny little cooler with a little ice pack and it was perfect. And I just was able to sip it on the beach and I Mm. thought, you know what, this is just enough to keep me hungry or to keep me from from staving off the hunger. Yeah,
4: you don't want to be bloated and full on the beach. And
3: you're right. And the thing is, and then, but something else I ate, oh, I know what it was. The next time I went to the beach, which was a couple days later, I made tomato sandwiches. Oh, nice. I had some extra tomatoes and I had, and I bought a loaf of bread, which is very.
4: What type of bread?
3: I used whole wheat bread. Did it get soggy? Mm-hmm. Okay. It did. You didn't do a butter barrier. You know, I did, and on one side. Oh, you. Know. And I, d- I wasn't thinking. I was. I had seven minutes to get the train and make two tomato sandwiches. Sure. It was good, but sand got in it. Ugh. Sand got in it, so that was, and I was very upset. And I thought, I need to find. I need to talk this week about perfect beach food, or you know. Yeah, because it's it's a thing. It's
4: absolutely a thing. Got to be careful of sand, or make something that has the same texture as sand, like a shortbread cookie. A tortilla chip is great because you can't tell. Pecan sandies. Pecan sandies. Pecan sandies. Literally,
3: Literally. throw the sand and throw them in (laughs) and be like. Give them an extra coating of sand. Be like, these are the best pecan sandies. Um, Be this like,
4: tastes like sand. No.
3: Yeah, it's dusted in uh, Long Beach sand. It's a funny thing you should mention.
4: Chef recommends that uh, the sand is actually coming locally tonight, uh, from uh, right from Long Beach. Um, so yeah, and I made, a, I made a couple other things this week that I thought I wanted to tell you about because I think you might like them. Cantaloupe, fro mm.
3: Absolutely. Did you just blend it with, did you freeze it and blend it together? Uh, I... You f- made it in your ice no, cream. No, I
4: made it in the, um, in the, ice Vitami- cream. in the, uh, God damn it. The Cuisinart. What did I just say before that I love? The that, magic bullet. The magic bullet. I made it in the bullet,
3: And then you fr- froze it? Mm-hmm.
4: In my ice cream machine.
3: And you froze it. Oh,
4: but you know what? I you, Pro tip, if you don't want it to freeze too much, yeah. I put some Aperol in it. That's a good idea. To keep it from like being too hard as a rock, frozy froze
3: I made cinnamon ice cream. <gasps> did I mention this? No, I made cinnamon toast uh-uh. couch, crunch ice cream. <gasps> Soaked the cinnamon toast crunch cereal, right? And uh. then I, that's, I just made ice cream as usual. I did add some additional cinnamon, and I have to say, something about the cinnamon toast crunch added, there was a little bit of that c- almost like sandy texture.
4: Did you take the actual cereal nuggets and pieces and put that in there too? I did,
3: not I strained them out. Okay. But they you know I let it soak overnight. So I have a f- I have a feeling that some of the particles mm-hmm. escaped through my very expensive <laughs> chinois that I bought.
2: <laughs> that sounds
4: so good. Yeah. I'm a little surprised to hear that you made that though.
3: Really? Why?
4: Well, I do know you to love a lowbrow thing, but because on any given day of the week, you would be just as e- as eager to say that's absolute crap okay, as you would be to say that you like it.
3: Here is the reality is that I I love sweet cereal. Yeah, me too. I don't too. like, I don't secretly like fast food except for filet fish and we'll talk about that later. Sure, yeah. It is actually one of the products that's mostly natural, right. except for the bun and the butter and yeah. the fish and the filet. And the robots <laughs> yeah. that are making it. <laughs> and the robots that are making it. But besides that, it's completely natural. It's amazing. But no, I love sweet cereal. Fruity Pebbles, uh-huh. Cinnamon Apple Jacks. I mean, you name like...
4: An An Apple Jack? Throwback,
3: yeah. Applejack. Next is Applejack ice cream because it tastes like neither apples nor nor jack. jacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: question. Yes. So, what's your favorite part of going to a restaurant?
3: Well, you know, every time I go to a restaurant, the first thing I do is wait a second. The first thing I do is look at the menu.
4: Oh, menus are very cool. Aren't how else menus you gonna know what they're serving? Well,
3: how would you know where you want to eat or yeah. what you would want to eat?
4: Exactly. So, well. So, folks,
3: if you haven't figured it out, this <laughs> week's topic on Life's a Banquet, the podcast that will change your mind and life, uh, is menus. Sure is. Now, we thought it was so obvious, like, oh, a menu. Like, what's that? Well, as, of course, with anything, the more you research into it, the more you look into something, the more fascinating it, beca- mm. it became and becomes. And... I don't know. Like where do we start? Should we talk about the history of menus? Please. Okay. Throw it down. Well, funny thing you should mention. I just happen to <laughs> so weird. have the history of menus. Oh my god. Um anyway, so you know, menus are something that we are constantly these days, they're just out there, right? They're online, they're on Seamless, they're on they're on your Facebook. Phone. Instagram, on Facebook, Instagram, Napster, exactly. Tinder, Pets.com. Pe- Google Images, <laughs> ice cream trucks, like a lemonade stand. The kids are like, We created a menu for you, right? <laughs> Okay, well, it wasn't always that way. Uh, menus in this country really didn't, um, I guess, solidify until much later into the 1800s. Oh. Now, there are some menus that were from the Song Dynasty in China showing, you know, first of all, the, the word menu probably comes from the word, the Latin word uh, minuta, which is tiny or small or oh, list of things, baby. right? So, menu, and there's, they also used to call it a bill of fare. Yes. Right? That's popular too, you know, like the bill of fare of this particular thing. (laughs) Uh, And there's another thing that I wanted to talk about with menus was uh, they used to call it uh, a table d'hôte, right? So, in all this, the menu, of course, that's a French word. And table d'hôte was a word that was like the host's table. So you, okay. before restaurants were what we know as restaurants today, where you walk in, you pick stuff off, you know, they would just, you would go and they would offer these. There, Of course, there were inns and taverns, but food was usually like, it's just something that they had.
4: Right. Like, like an omakase. So you would sit down and you just get whatever.
3: Exactly. And so when this started, the host's table, as they would call it, the food was usually selected by the chef. And as menus progress, as it should be, and <laughs> <laughs> so diners weren't able just to choose things at the whim of their fancy. Sure. And also, if they were, then later it changed to what we know as a la carte.
4: Ah, uh, and the cart. Cart means menu. Yep. Right. La, in French. From, yeah.
3: So from, from the, the menu. cart, or whatever. And so also a tablet. Oh, also we might know as pre fee or prefix, as we call mm-hmm. it in American. English and that refers to like they would have food that just like a lot of restaurants still do this to, you know today mm-hmm. especially around Valentine's Day and you just <laughs> here's your options and maybe you can pick one or two but that's kind of it right and you it's a set price and that way the restaurant was guaranteed not to lose any extra money not to make too much of food
4: it's smart I mean for the, on the restaurant end prefi makes the most of on the sense. restaurant end
3: so really what I learned was that menus as we know it where you go in and pick from your first course second course or whatever you want to call it small plate large plate really didn't happen until later in the 1800s and really like mm. toward the first part of the 1900s yeah and part of the reason was that nobody really went out to eat fair enough and now i have a really uh, quick there's i could go on and on about the history and we'll talk about that later but uh there was a really interesting story about this gentleman named fred harvey now fred harvey was apparently uh an american entrepreneur and he was sort of known as starting the first chain restaurant now he was really smart because as america started colonizing and make states and you think about wow that's so crazy to think like you didn't just go somewhere and pop over into like Toledo, Ohio, yeah, and be yeah. like, oh, let's pop over to the Applebee's and check out what they got on the menu. Right? You took a train station. He thought, oh, gosh, there wasn't, there wasn't, he was a traveling salesman, and he said, there's no good food at these train depots. So he started a chain restaurant, and he had this thing called the Harvey Girls, and he employed all these white-only educated women. Oh, perfect. They were very pretty, apparently. Great. Uh, yeah, they kind of look like the Gilmore Girls, um, Gibson. Sorry, the Gibson Girls, the Gilmore <laughs> the Girls.
4: Gilmore. <laughs> one was older,
2: and one the was Gibson very young. Girls.
3: And so he would have these these chain of restaurants, and it started off as a the, at a train depot, and then it sort of went on. By 1901, I think, when he died or something, he had I don't know something over like 40 or 50 restaurants. What were they called? What was the restaurants called? The Harvey's. The Harvey. Yeah, it was called the Harvey Harvey Fr- Harvey Fred Harvey Company, and it was called the Harvey Girls.
4: Harvey Keitel.
3: And if you really want to watch something fun of course and you they do. love Judy Garland love her. and you happen to be straight or gay or whatever you are yep, or anything one of in between, you should love Judy Garland. In 1946, there was a movie called The Harvey Girls and it's a musical and they feature these women and they have, there's a competition and the Harvey Girls like fight the other waitresses of the local Western town. Wow, sexy. And they burn down the, one of the restaurants. It's Crazy. Very
4: sexy, evil, yeah. bad, mischievous Harvey girls.
3: And this all comes from menu.
4: Wow. <laughs> that's a, what a fascinating tale. I'm riveted to my
3: core. Oh my gosh, you could go on and on and on. Uh, and we will talk later a little bit about how, you know, menu pros, like how pros, and I mean that not pros and cons, but mm-hmm. the the language of the menu, how we. May, how Americans and chefs made things sound fancy by adding French words mm-hmm. or the trends nowadays, which is to maybe just make it a little bit more esoteric and just say, you know, like, chicken, rhubarb, yeah. uh, congee. I oh, thought you were going to say cunt. kanji.
4: The other day, someone was going to say, they were talking about Genghis Khan, and they were like, uh, hanging on the con part, and I was like, are you going to just say Genghis cunnilingus? <laughs> which is like the funniest that was at your
3: business that was at your work meeting yes that was in
4: church i was talking to my trees the priest said it (laughs) Genghis (laughs) conilingus the funniest thing i said that's a sidebar i thought you would think it was funny
3: i think it's very funny (laughs) i think it's time for a break yeah let's break it off all right okay bye
1: This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation. Tucked in a 640-square-foot shipping container space in the heart of Denver's Rhino neighborhood, Cart Driver is the perfect place to stop in for an Italian-style spritz, Prosecco on tap, and a wide variety of tinned fish. Open for lunch, dinner, community hour, and late nights seven days a week, Cart Driver is here for you with fresh, domestically sourced ingredients and above all, hospitality. Learn more at cart driver.com.
3: La, la. <laughs> oh. And we're
4: spinning and we're spinning and let's sit down, Breton.
3: I'm want to hear more about what you found about
4: <laughs> wouldn't this. you like to okay, I'll tell you fine um, okay, uh Bretton, did you ever hear about the restaurant they're putting on the moon? Good no. food, but no atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Wait,
4: <laughs> yes, none, it's terrible. Don't go. save yourself the twenty five thousand <laughs> One and a half. Stars.
3: Yelp, it was horrible. <laughs> I went there. it was everything was dried up. it was freeze dried you'd think. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I went all the way to the moon for this restaurant, and then I floated away, and now I'm dead. Um, okay, <sighs> 1885, picture it. Mark Twain publishes The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Grover Cleveland is sworn as and as the 22nd president of the United States, and the average worker earned $674 per year.
3: Year. Oh, I was about to say that. I was like, that's what I make (laughs) per (laughs) Per year. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Not much has changed in my world. Everything's the same.
4: Also, you're a vampire, so you were alive then. Um, Also, the year, uh, 1885, the Keene's Job House was founded by Albert Keene, a theater producer, in Midtown Manhattan on 38th Street between 5th and 6th, Mm
3: -hmm. which
4: I learned the other day used to be the theater district. Yes. Now it's the hammock district, just kidding, that's the Simpson. Show.
3: I was what long time ago we were like look, I looked up Keynes and it's said something about that being the theater district. you're going to throw up? Mm-hmm, I just did
4: <laughs> okay. So the restaurant was first part of the Lamb's Club, which if anybody is familiar with Jeffrey Zakarian, he recently reopened the Lamb's Club, maybe what, like 10 years ago or something like that. Is that still open even? I don't know. Who cares? (laughs) Sorry. Call me, Jeffrey (laughs) Zakarian. I need a job. Um, Social media manager. Perfect. (laughs) Is that even open? Who cares? I love you. Um, So anyway, it was a famed theater group that was founded originally in London, and Keen was a manager there, and so he became the uh, owner of Keene's. Um, so then Keens, uh opened up independently and it was frequented by the highest of society, the elite, different presidents and theater yes. actors. I've been going around saying that uh, Abraham Lincoln used to eat there, but really he was killed before it opened. So I'm a liar. I've been spreading false information. You know what? I never
3: heard that, but I would have believed you probably. Well,
4: because they have the Lincoln room there and they have um, a lot of memorabilia of Lincoln, some of which I will discuss in just a moment here. But all all kinds of high society would go there. Now,
3: wait. Can you just tell us, for listeners that have not been to Keen's, sure. what is this restaurant like? Keen's
4: is the second oldest steakhouse in New York City. It's one of the oldest establishments in the whole house, city. A chop house. I love it. A chop house. They're famous for their mutton chop, which I recently learned is now just a plain old lamb chop, but it's still absolutely divine. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's just a very old school steakhouse. Not much has changed. Um, They have
3: a wonderful room with all the pipes, right?
4: Yes, there are pipes everywhere. I believe there's like nine. I have it written down somewhere in my notes here. I'll tell you in a minute. Oh, there's 90,000 pipes there.
3: 90,000. So you go up and you look on the ceiling and there's...
4: Pipes. It seems like so many. Yeah. I feel like that has to be a misprint, but it, I've copied and pasted. There are, so.
3: when you go up there, there's a lot of yeah, pipes. Yeah, there's
4: a shit ton of pipes. Um, and a wonderful bar downstairs that's kind of casual. Then there's the Lincoln Room, and there's the pub room. There's all kinds of different Yeah, it's places. kind of it's like
3: townhouse of a restaurant. Yeah. It's really, really, it's very special. It's
4: very special. And I will say that I think the food is actually quite tasty. Mm-hmm. It's like... What are you looking for? When I look for a restaurant, I look for a menu. Really, like mm-hmm. I'm as not, we're talking about. I'm not yeah. looking for. Oh well, I am so excited about what you're doing. Like I don't know, sometimes, but I mostly want classic. I think you're the same. Yeah, way. yeah. We've
3: we've we've been through it all. You know. Yeah. At the end of the day,
4: and sometimes a classic old restaurant doesn't actually like kind of show up food wise, but Keens does. True. The food that's, is tasty. That's good to know. You know, get a cream spinach, get mashed potatoes, get a mutton chop or like the prime rib, uh, king's cut. Share it. It's delicious. Key lime pie for dessert. Um... Um. So, yeah, they would, uh, people would go into the pipe room and hang out and writers and publishers and theater folk and people would come from the theater and go in the back room in in the intermission in their full makeup and have drinks and then they'd go there after the show. So it was definitely like a huge thing for those types of folks. Um, For $5 a year, Lamb's Club members could keep their pipes along with ones pictured at the restaurant where a pipe warden would keep an inventory and pipe boys would bring each of the pipes to the table.
3: I guess that, you know, when you think about how long it's been, then 90,000 doesn't sound that unusual.
4: That's absolutely true. Um, They stopped doing it. I don't know. They don't, people don't still have new pipes there. I guess they probably ran out of room. And according to tradition, when a member passed away, the stem of the pipe would be cracked.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. Nobody must smoke out of it since
4: this. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, it is. I, I know. like that. Um, so there's a huge collection of memorabilia there, theatrical memorabilia from the Lambs Club days, including what is said to be the playbill that Abraham Lincoln was holding when he was shot. And so upstairs in the Lincoln room where they have all that Lincoln stuff, okay. that's why. And I always thought it was because Lincoln ate there. It was
3: simply a, in in memoriam.
4: Right. Some famous people whose pipes are there um, Ruth and Will Rogers, Albert Einstein, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. I heard it was a vegetarian Einstein. Well, he could have just had had the Caesar salad. Exactly. (laughs) No anchovy. (laughs) (laughs) So so I went and looked back at some of their old menus and Mm -hmm. I found, okay, from 1916, Keen's menu. So again, they opened 1885, but I couldn't find anything that far back. A couple of hits. The uh, 1916 was like very small. And then as we go up, they had, it was more elaborate blue point oysters, olives and radishes, cream of tomato, filet of sole breaded English mutton chops. So they've always had that baked potato, French peas, combination salad, university ice cream. Didn't look up what that was. Going up to 1914, uh, 1941, That's much more expansive. It's huge, so I'm definitely not going to read the whole thing, but I highly yeah. recommend you go to the New York Public Library, where I went this week. You can look at a plethora of old menus. It's so cool, including these. And you can also look at the entire collection on, online. So online, they had only four Keynes menus throughout history.
3: Yes, that's true. In fact, just really quickly, I do have the website. Oh, yeah, it's menus.nypl.org slash menus. And if you Google... historic menus New York York public Public library that will be the first hit and you can explore it's the coolest yeah yeah all these it's It's the coolest
4: it well like very quickly uh I was reading that they developed it because there was a their whole menu collection so there was a woman who wasn't very rich she used to go around in the turn of the century and get menus from fancy restaurants and she collected them and I forget her name but she ended up with like I don't know, over like 1,500 menus or something wow. by the time she died. So then she donated it to the public library and then they just expanded on it. But that's the collection. Oh, that's really, yeah.
3: I should start collecting menus. Yeah, you
4: should. It's really cool. So 1941 Keen's, they have canapes, they have shrimp cocktail, which cost 50 cents. Now I think it's $24 on their mm-hmm. menu. So inflation. They had chow chow, which is a pickled vegetable relish. Bismarck herring, broiled steaks, filet mignon for $1.50, chicken a la king, selection of rare bits, tons of pickled things. T- there yeah, many people like cute. people
3: did like pickles.
4: In the mid century mm-hmm. pickles were all the rage. Pickle this, pickle, pickle that
3: pickle that, yeah. Well keep S- saving it. Also they didn't have a lot of access to a lot of refrigeration, so that. that was the old that True was that. the only way.
4: Absolutely. They had some cocktails on the menu that some of the ones I thought were kind of funny. A Ron Rico, a Jack Rose, and of course a uh, Clover Club named after the uh, or the which the nice bar in Cobble Hill is named after. Oh, um, moving up to 1971, a much smaller menu because they fell in hard times in the 70s, which I'll get to at the end of my story. Lots of tongue, kidney, less pickles, a Yon jumps <laughs> to nine cents, nine dollars and 75
3: cents. sorry folks we've got to do this (laughs) we're raising
4: prices (laughs) um but you know still very kind of cool but definitely more like 70s vibes and i would say a little bit more uh, eastern european kidneys broiled meat
3: interesting uh
4: yeah so in 1905 we're gonna go back now Uh, a very famous actress of the time named lily langtree uh, enters Keynes. Lily was born in 1853 in the Isle of Jersey. She was six of seven children. Now, not to be confused with New Jersey, but the Isle of Jersey is where oh, Jersey I- cows come from. Oh, okay. Uh, which is off of, uh, in the UK.
3: That's right. Jersey cows. Not yeah. to be confused with Holstein cows, completely different.
4: Right. Not to be con- confused with Bruce Springsteen, which is another person from <laughs> <Yeah>. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> those
3: overpriced musical theater tickets last year on broadway <laughs>
4: very expensive very expensive so anyway she's nicknamed jersey lily and she's a british american socialite and actress and producer she comes into Keynes one day in 1905 oh she's also the mistress one-time mistress of king edward VII. um she comes in 1905 to what is then a gentleman's only restaurant and demands to be served one night after a show and they say no bitch get out of here dudes only and she throws up a stink. She sues She's them. Like, are you
3: kidding me? She's
4: like, fuck you. Make me a steak, bitch. Um, they don't. So she sues them. She wins. Keens capitalizes on the incident and then holds a dinner to honor her. They also, They're like, wait, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, <laughs> we love we women. We love women. Look at this. We brought flowers. In. Then they also name a whole room upstairs, which you can sit in. It's kind of quiet and boring. It's called the Langtree Room. And they made a special menu for her, which is in the New York Public Library, but they have a copy framed by Keens, Yes. Um, And I want to just quickly read to you. what's on the menu
3: for Ms. Lang? A cup of...
4: Okay. October 10th, 1906. One cup clear turtle soup, celery, salted almonds, olives, filet of English sole with julienne potatoes, roasted porridge with red currant jelly and grilled sweet potatoes. Sounds like a lot of potatoes, honestly. A keen, hey, <laughs> yeah, uh, and more potatoes for you. Dumb yeah. bitches. Uh, keen salad,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Fam- look, a stuffed potato. Oh, oh look, look, a roll, a fried potato. Oh, <laughs> We have a bag potato chips,
4: <laughs> 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 some gruel. Uh, fancy forms, no clue what that is. Cakes, fruit, coffee. Um, and as for keens, quick recap in 1978, the restaurant almost closed until a very rich theater producer named George Schwartz and his wife. Um, bought it. and, he, and I'd he, like to
3: keep this open. <laughs> yes. He's
4: like, I want to open this again. Uh, they put $1.4 million into it, which at the time wow, was a lot, and closed lot. it for three years. Yada, yada, yada. It was closed
3: are. for three years?
4: Mm-hmm. Isn't that a very yeah. fascinating menu story?
3: That is very, yeah. very cool. I You know what's so funny is you just think, I didn't think that, there was never a time where a woman wasn't allowed into a restaurant.
4: Uh, here's another thing yeah. about Keen's, which I don't know if it's still in, in effect, but I used to have an ex-boyfriend who worked there, and the downstairs main bar, mm-hmm. you are not allowed to bartend if you're a woman. Yeah. Only male bartenders still, as of 2016. Well,
3: they, can, they can't they can get away with it, but unless somebody sues, it's never going to be a problem. It's crazy. I also used to work at a restaurant, which I won't name, that didn't allow female Workers, yeah.
4: Oh wow, crazy. Yes. So, yeah, I just I, guessed it. I mouthed it yeah. to Breton, so only him and Bay I Juno. know. They do now. it's
3: changed since, and Mr. Weinstein also was a regular there. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and I also used to work for Mr. Mario Batali. Oh, sexy. Let's see, what else? <laughs> awesome. And I love Donald Trump. Just oh. kidding.
4: <laughs> we won't
3: talk about that. And
4: his real name is Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, cool. So, how about on our chefy recommendy today? Uh, What do you want to talk about? Making per- perfy menu at okay. home.
3: So. We could go all over the place, right? Let's say you're at home listening to this podcast or you're on your treadmill or you're uh, or a prep cook dicing celery wondering what the hell you're doing with your life. Yes, you have two more cases to go. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, you did the first case wrong and it has to be thrown out. Now you just got in trouble, but you're okay because you're listening to this and we're going to make it through this. Oh, so if you are just interested in uh, menus or creating your own menu or perhaps you want to have a dinner party, it's nice to sit down. Now, Zara, you're really good at creating menus, right? I'm amazing at it. The best uh, in the world. So, no, But I do like it. Yeah, you do like it. And yeah. I think there is one thing, like when you have a dinner party, let's just stick with creating a menu for when you're at home. And this is just really good to think about. A, it saves you money because then you can find out exactly what you need to buy. Sure. You can tell your friends. And if anybody's allergic or gluten-free or dairy-free or, or whatever free they are.
4: Mm-hmm. Caveman free, yeah. caveman <laughs> pro, pro caveman.
3: Uh, then you can, you know, work around your menu or create something special. Uh, or you could have a theme menu. Yep. And now Zara, you've done a lot of theme menu creations, right? A
4: lot of theme menus at, uh, Brucey. Our first theme menu came about one day because I was so burnt out and tired. We used to, the only thing we had every day on the menu because we changed our menu every single day, Mm -hmm. which was crazy. Um, but I was so burnt out and I was like, oh, Tagliatelle, oh, you should just write Harvey Kai Tagliatelle. And so for, we randomly made a Pulp Fiction-themed menu. We did the menu at 3 o'clock, and by 5.30 when we opened, everything was Pulp Fiction-themed.
3: Within two hours. Yes.
4: And so we, like, made a banner that, on the outside that said Jack Rabbit Slims. And then from then on, we did a lot. So famously, the Beyonce, Valentine's Day, Kim Kardashian, Valentine's Day, a funeral for the closing, a wedding for the day before. So yes, I do love a theme menu.
3: Theme menu. So that's something to do. Now, before you make it, you know, it's good to sit down and then just start writing some ideas down. And you know what? When you create a menu, I guess I would say... Sometimes people are like, "Oh, well, do you have to have a salad and then you have to have a protein in this." Sure. I don't know. I don't think is there really a hard fast rule over that?
4: No. Not a, there's no that's actually the thing that I think is most important to remember. There are no rules other than try not to make people feel nauseous by making like too many things that are the same, like too many very 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 spicy things. Too many things. potatoes.
3: Yes, don't just
4: <laughs> don't give your guests all potatoes just because they're women.
3: Unless you're doing an Idaho theme party and you're <laughs> doing like the potato famine party.
4: A potato in Idaho. Yes, See,
3: we're we're coming with a million ideas. Be like, nobody's getting. Everybody gets. Night. Twelve people split one potato. It's really fun. You go away super hungry. It's fabulous. That's great. I did it last week.
4: Amazing. Um, I think the back be- the best thing though, really, if you're making a menu at home, is to think about restaurants you like, right, and think about somewhere that's like really a hit, and be like, why is that good? Oh, because they're offering things, or you know, dinner. Other dinner parties you've been to. Oh, because they're offering things that are complimentary. Think about something you might like and think about something that's fun and that, you know, do whatever you want. If you want to make a three-course thing for your guests, that's fine. But thinking about stuff that you can just, you can enjoy and you can be part of the dinner party, right? So Mm -hmm. creating something where you can have a salad at the same time as your entree. It's not like, okay, is everybody done with salad? And now let's lift this up. You know what I mean? So maybe a simple salad that goes well with your main course Mm -hmm. and your pasta.
3: As giant salad that you can serve with everybody. You know what I always like to, when I write menus, I always say to myself, what do I want? Like, what would be my dream? Like, if you could, if you don't have, somebody else is paying for dinner, and you could make anything, well, okay, if you're not a super incredible, adventurous cook or something, and you just want to keep it, still, like, keep it simple. What's and, your, what is your dream menu? You know, I know, this is going to sound very, very, so so basic but my dream menu as always lately is something with cheese a caesar salad and a steak or a roast chicken yeah and then a potato i am i guess the older i get the more i'm just down home wisconsin
4: totally i absolutely feel you
3: so i like to do that and then my problem is i start to get a little bit too many things i'm like oh that would be good oh and then Mm -hmm. okay so uh, apple pie and i'll have a chocolate roll and i was like hold on a second you're having four people over. Nobody. <laughs> like, yeah. This isn't a restaurant. Totally. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And then once you've decided your menu and you've written it down, go ahead, little edit it. And then, you know, give it a little printout. Yeah, that's Or cute. if you're a Jacques Pepin, you could do a watercolor.
4: Yeah, exactly. And spend,
3: <laughs> and spend days. Yeah, erase. carve it into
4: cement and just marble.
3: However you'd like to do it. Make it last. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Maybe get it it's tattooed a, on your skin.
3: Maybe it's a menu created out of smoke, and as soon as they see it, it disappears.
4: <gasps> oh, my God. What is that restaurant? Alinea in the Chicago? L- yes. Um, never been, obviously. Um, uh, but I know someone who went, and I guess, like, they have a menu where you eat it
3: after it's done. It's edible. An edible menu. Yep. I've seen that. You nibble it up. So, again, and I always like to look for inspiration. You know what I went on? Oh, my God. Embarrassing. But not. Is I went on Pinterest. Oh, and why is that
4: embarrassing? I don't know. There's a lot on there. It gets a bad
3: rap. It gets bad rap. I, it's pictures that are collected by people, so it's not a bad thing. We all know but what you, Pinterest is. Yeah. <laughs> Pinterest. <laughs> Pinterest. You just found out know, about Pinterest. Like, Did you know that there's this website with a <laughs> pin and a T rest? Uh, but yeah, so you can right. go on Pinterest, and there is somebody that collected all these old menus, so you, mm. know, you get an idea there, right? Mm-hmm. What looks good to you? Sure. And then make the menu, and then that's it. Plan the work, work the plan. Yes, exactly. And make
4: something that is in your wheelhouse. Maybe a little bit of a challenge, but don't go and be like, Oh, I need to make the craziest gauge your audience. Are you trying to have fun or are you trying to really impress someone or you trying to like push yourself to learn something new? You know what I mean? So I And
3: maybe for dessert, instead of maybe you go to your favorite bakery and get that that, like one famous cake that everybody loves. Sure. And then you serve it with some ice cream that you bought. So like it takes care of one of the courses. Absolutely.
4: Or ask one of your homies to bring dessert.
3: There you go. That's you know? Good. Just make sure you put it on the menu. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, just, Bob about dessert. I just, you know, don't want to reprint the menus. Uh, <laughs> my dinner party. <laughs> yeah. So uh. creating a menu. And then, of course, theme menus. There's plenty of ideas if you're like, oh, I want a Hawaiian menu or a, yeah. I don't know what else. What are the theme menus? Are these? A
4: Bob Saget
3: themed menu. A Bob Saget themed <laughs> menu. What, with, <laughs> figure. what would what would that be? You know, my sister in law every year A lot she, of does, cocaine. she does the Oscar party yeah. theme menu. And so for the nominees, yeah, she makes these fun dishes. That's very things. cute. It's, it's very cute. And people always like it and they you know, she's sort of known for these Oscar parties.
4: That's adorable. One time at Brucey on Halloween we did an apocalypse theme menu and that was actually my favorite
3: thing. Ever and tell us about that.
4: Well, we had a couple of different. I just remember like great rice, great rice balls of fire, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which was like different. I don't know. It was crazy. We did a bunch of different shit, but it was really fun.
3: That sounds.
4: It was. It was radical. It was my favorite one that we ever did, actually. Um, what are your top three favorite menus of all time?
3: Okay, funny thing. You should ask because I thought about it, and we thought, do you want to? kind of top three and i just say you know what these are my top three menus okay, okay. here is my third favorite menu it is a classic like pizza shop menu okay i know that sounds really uh, no, I of, but i it. love that like you're going to get the italian salad maybe an antipasti kind of a thing mm-hmm. and then of course you're going to have your pizzas and i I want to see Supreme on there. Totally. <laughs> Meat lovers? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And I sort of like to look at those old menus. And I specifically, I love some of those old pizza shop menus, some of those old like mid century modern menus, if yeah. we're talking about the specific look of them. Love it. And then my second favorite menu would be a, you know what I really love is a steakhouse menu. Me too. And I, as you can see, my theme here is kind of retro. typical. Yeah, retro, typical, basic. But I love just like, you're going to see your steaks. You're going to see some roast chicken. You're going to have a little fish section, maybe a shrimp scampi. Mm-hmm. And then on the sides, you're going to see your cream spinach, much like you just said, Your the king's menu. Sure. And then my other favorite and probably top favorite menu is the Roman style menu. Oh,
4: yeah, Right. Tell and now us this, about what that means. Okay.
3: So Roman style menu, uh, they will have like a... F- a f- What's the correct Italian word? A premi. Primi piatti, seconda piatti. And so your premi piatti is usually your pastas, right?
4: Premium is pasta. Pasta's Secondo is, is, is your protein. Protein or main course. And then, of course,
3: before the pasta, antipasti. there's... Antipasti. Yeah, antipasti. So there's vegetables, there's meats, there's cheeses. And I love the design of that menu mm-hmm. because, A, it's meant for sharing. Sure. I didn't even talk about dim sum menus, if you notice, because Ooh, that's... Oh, it just I is another level. That's a different level sure. and a different conversation. But uh, what I love about the Italian menu is it really promotes sharing. Mm-hmm. And I love to share, and I think eating family style is the way that all people should eat... Uh, and so you can pick one of these categories, and then you sort of get that best of all the worlds, right? Where you're not just like, well, here's your pasta, here's your linguine with white sauce entree, which is very American, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right, to just
4: eat a pasta for your main course. No, you want to get in there. But I
3: love the fact that, like, yes, you can have some of that linguine with white clam sauce, whatever you want, and you get a roast chicken, and you get some side potatoes. Yeah, and
4: contorni. Yes, and, and
3: contorni exactly. So I think that classic Roman menu, and love it. a lot of the times in the Roman menu, you see like fried artichokes. Uh-huh. Obviously, some kind of like cold meats or cheeses, and then your classic Roman pastas like the bucatini, matriciana. Oh my god, I carbonara, love like all those things, and I feel like it's the best of all that food. I mean, I in think one
4: menu. yes. Also, personally, I've been to Italy. I've been everywhere in Italy for the most mm-hmm. part, and my very favorite place to eat in Italy is Rome. A hundred percent. It's
3: I. Th- I was just telling somebody about that, and it sort of I said that is the best menu for yes. me.
4: You'll eat the best in Rome. Of I mean. Listen, there's delicious food everywhere in Italy. True. But, like, really eating in Rome is very special. They
3: just know how to do it. Yeah.
4: It's really, really good. Everything is very, very special.
3: Okay. So, tell me...
4: I went a little bit of a different angle. Yes. I like your... I actually did half of what you did, and I did half of a more specific angle. So, my favorite, third favorite menu, I went place-specific. Oh, okay. So well, is, that's great, too. I mean, Right. So, is the menu at Diner in Williamsburg, mm-hmm. uh, which also ha- changes their menu every day and was my biggest inspiration as a chef and restaurateur. Um, Diner is a place in South Williamsburg. It's been open for 20 years now, uh, opened by a great guy, Andrew Tarlow, and in the beginning um, and now, but it was just something just so different about that place, and it really inspired fast, casual dining, local and seasonal ingredients that are, like, available to People not trying to spend a ton of money. Right, yeah. It really pioneered the game that we know now, which unfortunately is a little bastardized this time, but it was a great yeah, yeah. inspiration and remains an excellent restaurant. Um, so they write the menu. The servers get a menu oh, meeting, a, yes, yes, and yes, they yes. write the menu down in front of you on the table. They've been doing that the whole time we're op- they're open, and I think it's great because they really, write it on
3: long receipt paper. Well, right? if you're at the bar, oh, but if you bar. sit at a table, it, a table,
4: they write it right on the table, on the paper uh,
3: table cloth. And the bar, they hand you this long. Exactly. Yeah, that's really fun. And I
4: think it's really cool. It's so unique and it's a way for the servers to really get it down what's in the food and to engage with the customers. And I think it's genius and I love it. Um, my second favorite menu is also from a place called Caps Place, which is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Caps Place? Caps Place. Is it a C
3: or a K? C.
4: Okay. You take a tiny boat to it. Um, and it's very old. Winston Churchill. Kind of like
3: Captain's Place. Is it, that?
4: Cap's, nice? yes, but exactly. Cap, yeah. Captain's Place. Um, there's a tiny little bar attached to the restaurant where Winston Churchill and Roosevelt met and chatted about some kind of crazy things, wars and bombs. Yeah. Now, um, I
3: think if you send the British over to the Isles, yeah. <laughs>
4: smoking some gosh, drinking martinis. Um, but the menu there is still very old school where they have like a half a grapefruit and a glass of tomato juice and hearts of palm salad on the menu, which is just, I think finding tomato juice as an appetizer is like the funniest thing to me ever. And I love it. And like nothing has changed there. They have like broiled scrod and the food's fine. Some of it's very tasty. It's very fresh seafood. Yeah. But the menu is just like still exactly the same as it was like over a hundred years ago. And I love that. And then my number one favorite menu oh, wait, okay. is, is Breton style. Like I did what you did with a theme of a menu Yeah, is a long Island or anywhere in the tri-state area. Like, uh, Diner menu,
3: diner menu
4: like a 20 page menu with everything. I knew
3: you were gonna say that. I it's just, so funny, I, yeah. It's great, it's
4: great. And there's like a lot of the same things, just like printed over again. It's like hot open face turkey sandwich as an appetizer, and then it's also like a dessert. And then there's like a picture of Keith Hernandez in the middle for no reason. It's bizarre, it's huge. That's pretty funny. And you can change it and do everything you want, which please, people, if you're listening, don't do anywhere other than at a diner. Or a fat. don't go into a restaurant and change the menu. Yeah, I exactly. I feel like we need to talk about that, don't
3: we? Well, we won't mention it, but here's the thing. And we're <laughs> here's where we get a little preachy. You can preachy. some
4: places and you can't some places. When
3: we were talking about how, rest- yeah, some places you can. It's promoted or not promoted or it's just not a like big a deal. a But I think the thing is, if you go to a nice place, and this is just, we should talk about this. Now, there's two people, some of you might be sitting here being like, well, I am the paying customer, and I, if I see that there's tartar sauce on that, and I want my tartar sauce on the chicken that I'm paying for, I should get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, I hear you. But, but, just like anything, this restaurant has taken a lot of time, and uh, perhaps, hopefully, if it's a good, you know, quality restaurant with Wonderful employees and owners that actually care—they've taken a lot of time to make sure that they've created things that are really balanced, and they've totally. tested them, right? And they say, "Oh, here, this is the thing that we've we've tried, and this works." And so we're offering this to you, for sure. And for this price, because we've decided that all these ingredients work together and it's beneficial for you, right? And so when you tr- start changing things, it's not that it's that hard. It's not like, well, what's the big deal? It's that's not the way a restaurant works. They have a menu. The you know each little moving part in the kitchen, right? That that cook makes this thing, and then exactly. so during a busy night, if something happens and everybody's doing everything different, it throws the whole flow off, which then fl- throws the whole flow of the entire restaurant. And then, as you know, in a restaurant, that's a delicate balance. All of a sudden, people are like, yeah, it wasn't as good as it was last time. I'm like, because, because somebody this was,
4: one fucking guy needed tartar sauce. Who eats tartar sauce on chicken anyway? What a something psycho like killer.
3: That. So I think the thing is, when you first go to a restaurant, I'm not saying that. Uh, it's my opinion to say, let let the people that have the restaurant decide first. Right. Or Le- give it a try.
4: Right. Leave off if you're allergic or you really dislike. It's one thing to be like, hey, I don't want tartar sauce on that because I am allergic or mm-hmm. I really hate mayonnaise. But it's another thing to be like, can I get that on another dish? And I want to add to your point, you kind of just said this. It really is about, like, especially in a small kitchen, it's about a rhythm.
1: A rhythm, that's a good idea. So you have a A rhythm,
4: and you're like, oh, I grab, I know to instinctually grab this thing of sauce for this dish because, like, it's been, like, you're like an octopus in the kitchen. So you throw in, like, I want to change this on this, and then all of a sudden you grab the wrong thing because you're used to grabbing that one thing. You squirt it on, and then exactly like you said, you like you have to mix everything up. It's crazy. Just don't.
3: And I just like to go back to what we said in the beginning is that menus used to be, think back to what I just said in the very beginning of this episode, table haute, which was the host's table. Mm-hmm. So the host is inviting you to their table. Yes, you're paying for it because food's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. And they offer you what they have, what they've decided. And it's just like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of restaurants where you go in and, like, this is seasonal. Yeah, We have nectarines because they're gorgeous right now. They're like, right. well, how come you don't have banana cream pie? Look, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. So the good news is there's a lot of places that – can offer you what you want.
4: Exactly. So just choose a place if you need to, if you need to have it your way, you know where to go.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: What a fun <laughs> what a freaking fun
3: episode. I learned a lot about menus. It was very Actually, not just about menus, but about how our society works.
4: I learned a lot from you too. I feel like dare I say it might have been our most to me at least it felt like our most informative, informative episode.
3: Informative, yeah.
4: Very informative. And I'm hungry now.
3: I'm hungry. Uh, Whoa. And I'm
4: getting a text message. Okay, Whoa. What's perfect. Free hamburgers. Time, at to, six? <laughs> time to go.
3: Free hamburgers. We gotta go. Listen, everybody, thanks for listening. Tune in. Review rate. Subscribe. Basta la pasta. Yeah.